Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Gary Wilkerson Podcast. We're honored to have with us a, a, a guest, Seth Drury, pastoring uh, in Arkansas. Seth, welcome to our podcast. Glad you're with us today. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. It's an honor. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about, uh, I've kind of been uh, talking to several pastors to try to get a, a take on it, but this is the first opportunity I've had to have a pastor communicate with our audience uh, what it's like to pastor. You know, you were you were only there like a couple of years before COVID hit, uh, so you just barely got you know, the vision and the DNA of the church uh, under your leadership, running the way you would believe God had you to direct it. And then also in COVID hits, your church has to shut down, I'm assuming, or did, I don't know about Arkansas, did did you have to stop meeting? We did. Um, I don't know that it was like ever a legal thing here with shutdown, but our, we're an Assemblies of God Church in our district recommended that we follow the guidelines um, that our governor put into place. So we, uh, we took a hiatus to in-person services for eight weeks, uh, starting in March and up until May. Um, and that was a unique, we're, we're a small rural church and in a rural community. Our goal going into 2020 was we want to have an online live stream by the end of 2020. Well, March came around. It's like, well, next week you have to have a live stream. <laughs> and so that was, and when you're in a small rural church like us, my wife and I, we're the only ones here that are, you know, staff and, and leadership. And so... I, you know, learned a lot about photography and streaming and, and different things in, in that period and trying to figure out how to make something quality and effective uh, that can reach people. And so um, that was a whole learning curve there that we're still not where I want to be with our live stream, but we're we're better than we were a year and a half ago, for sure. Yeah, yeah, that uh, the, li- the live stream was a was a kind of a throwing out a lifesaver uh to the, to the congregation during, during the shutdown times. And some churches in some states, obviously, California, New York, have had to shut down longer. Some of them are just opening now after a year or more. I talked yesterday to a good friend in Canada, and they're even stricter there. He's in uh, Montreal. And uh, he was saying they, you know, they, they can't have, uh, I think it's more than 25 people meet at a time. And that, that's just, that's, that's recently that's been open. And I think maybe in another month from now, they're going to 250, and the church has like 5,000 people in it. So that's, that's going to be tough. Uh, so they've done more online. But he and I were talking yesterday, and it's like, you know, as good as the online and live streaming is, you know, it's, uh, it's not the Hebrews passage of you know, don't neglect gathering yourselves. The word self there I think is important uh, together. And, you know, <clears throat> I, I think uh, as good as the online stuff is, uh, I mean, I, we're doing this today. Obviously, we believe in it. And it's not the same, right? Yeah. So you're probably glad to be back after eight weeks. That's That was shorter than most churches. Um, yes, we were very fortunate to, for it to be shorter. And I think, um, I think I have seen that the smaller churches like ours have, have rebounded quicker because people are a little more comfortable coming to a church of 100 or so than a church of two or 3,000 or, or, or whatever. And so we've been fortunate to, we had a short time, it's a small community, so we were able to keep contact with our people. Um, but we did see some loss in attendance and it, it probably cut in half coming back. And, um, but we're, 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 we're back on the, on the upward curve now, so. Why do you think there was a, a loss? You, you, uh, you weren't shut down so long as people to sort of forget you're there, you know, it's like, what, what, what do you attribute that to? One, some, one of the things that I feel like the Holy Spirit has been doing and dealing with me about is realizing that that eight weeks and then the gradual growth back showed us who's really invested in the vision and who's really invested in the ministry. We really stress at our church community transformation, being involved in the community, um, 
uh, being outward focused. And I think that, you know, the scripture talks about separating the wheat from the tares. And at some point, you know, you can you can keep chasing the people who have been in church, but found an excuse to not be in church and aren't anymore. Or you can change your focus to reaching people who just don't know the Lord at all and have never had that experience. And so I think there's been a sifting happening in the church where you find out who's committed. What's interesting to us is, and I know that it's not, I hope this is received in the right the way I mean it, because it's not about money and it's not about numbers, but we, our attendance cut in half after the shutdown and coming back to COVID, but our giving for 2020 was double what it was the year before. And uh, almost double, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but almost double. And so I, I don't have an explanation for that other than people were committed. People believed in what God, what was doing and God just worked because if you do the math, I don't think it adds up. I think God just multiplied some things and that enabled us to do things like start a live stream. We increased our missions giving we, because other, other churches were dropping missionaries and we added missionaries on or increased our giving, um, did things in the community to reach people, delivering meals to kids when they couldn't be in school during the day. To get their meals and so we looked for ways to do that and i think god just blessed that and took care of us you have a very similar philosophy of ministry that we at world challenge have that you know when there's crisis or conflict troubles in the, in various places that you know rather than sort of you know hiding your head in the sand you you run to the battle you run and how people you so you start you start these ministries and by faith that's and i think that's probably why just from an outsider's perspective if i could Share what I would think that God was up to in, in your life in your church, Seth, would be that He knew you'd be faithful to, and a good steward, and that to launch you into ministries rather than sort of saying, "Okay, you know, this is hard times. Let's let's put that away for a nest egg in case we have to shut down again." You know, because we didn't know. You, know, you didn't know as a pastor. Okay, I shut down for eight weeks, but maybe there's going to be a. They kept talking about a second wave or a third wave. So, you know, you could have lived in fear, but thank God you didn't. You stepped out in faith, and that's. You know, that's that's our history. That's your history. That's, and I think that's why God drew you to Teen Challenge. You, you kind of got that adventurer uh, spirit about, about ministry. Uh, what do you see is, um, two questions for you. I'll ask, the first one is about pastoring in a rural context. Um, do you ever get, um, I don't know what the right word to say would be. I don't want to put words in your mouth. But, you know, in America, it seems like the pastoral ministry uh, you read things like Outreach Magazine's 100 Fastest Growing Churches in America, and you see, like, you know, they grew from 5,000 to 8,000 in 18 months. And a lot of a lot of people are serving in communities that aren't even don't even have 18, you know, 8,000 people in them. Uh, does that ever does that ever trouble you at all? Do you ever feel like, oh man, I wish I was in a big church and doing big things? Or how, how do you feel about that? Well, do you, it depends if you want the preacher answer or if you want the honest answer there. So. Uh, yeah, whatever you think I want, they're telling me that. Let me tell you the struggle. When we moved here, the town of Belleville, Arkansas, I think the sign when we moved in said population 325. So we made it 328 when we moved in. Now, in a 10-mile radius, there's probably 10,000 people. 15,000 people, but but in the community our church is in, it is a very rural community. Um, and so when we have 50 people on a Sunday, we're like a mega church in our little community, you know? And so one thing that I have, and, and I've had those struggles. I remember last year, uh, right after COVID was, was happening and we weren't having church and, and 
as a pastor that kind of wants to be around your people and you can't see them and you can't, I, we, I drove through one of our community, our local neighborhoods and um, it's rundown houses falling apart. You wonder if some of them have running water and, and you know, it, it's just kind of a very low income area. And I was driving through it and I asked the Lord, what in the world did you bring me here for? Why, what can I do here, you know? And that's when I think COVID for me and what's been going on is, is to shift your thinking away from growing your church and instead grow your influence. And then watch as that, as, as God does something with that. And so we've looked for ways to grow our influence in the community with the governing officials, with the schools, just to, and, and not, not a, a gimmick, but to bless them. You know, our, our school provides, our church provides school supplies for, uh, and has done it for several years, even before we came for every kid in the, in the district. We, we, in the past few years, we've actually partnered with other churches together to make that happen where no student in our school district has to buy school supplies. The churches take care of it for them. And so, um, and, and then we've done things like events that we used to have like 4th of July events or Easter events or, um, the trunk or treat events in the fall, we've moved them off our campus and done them at the city hall or at the city park to get out in the community and, and bring people in. And so that's been for me, a joy is to say, you know what? Yeah, we're a small church, but we have big influence in our community and we're making a difference. Are there still those days where, man, I wish I had a staff and I wish I had someone that could take care of the technology for me and they could pastor the youth for me and and do that, you know, all those kinds of things. Absolutely. And but I, I wouldn't trade where we are right now for anything because it's just been amazing to see what God's been doing in our community. Yeah, there's there's such strength in rural ministry, such strength in, you know, faithful men serving in what would be considered more of a normal context. You know, it's not. Uh, uh, you know, a growing suburban sort of Atlanta suburb with, you know, every day there's another thousand people moving into a community. Uh, you know, that's, it's, it's probably easy to, in some ways, to grow a church there. You just, you know, you meet their felt needs and have some good pop music and put on some smoke and lights and you can draw a crowd. But to be faithful, you know, kudos to you for being faithful in a context that, that you know, might be more difficult to see the things externally that, some of us look for on you know and some of us, some i remember when i was your age i was i got i got waylaid i got you know steeped into you know the uh, numbers and buildings and success and notoriety and stuff and the lord had to really put me on my face and rebuke me and change that trajectory so thankfully you're you know you're you're, you're staying faithful there and i want to encourage you to continue to do so yeah well, thank you. And I'll give credit to my wife, Katie, as well, because we co-pastor together and, and she works right alongside me, though her position's volunteer. And so she she does so much and I couldn't do it without her. And we have a great leadership team here as well. Um, another thing that you just drew my attention to when with getting caught up in that is I've had men or and women of God that I respect ministers kind of, they've said, you know, that in talking about me or to me, Seth, you could be at a bigger church or in a bigger area, but you're being faithful here. And they mean that as a compliment, but it almost comes off like a, you settled, you know, and I'm like, but I, I, I could be, but this is where God brought me. This is where God called me. And until he calls me somewhere else, this is where I'm going to stay. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I think there's this ministry mindset of, you know, wonder why he couldn't get a better church or why he couldn't get, go, be somewhere else. And, 
And the truth is, is I, I wasn't looking to come here. That's a whole nother story of how God opened that door up. But God has blessed us here and he's taking care of us as a family and our church. And, and that's just something that I think I've been learning over the past three years is just trust when God leads you that he's going to take care of you and he's going to bless you. And he's going to he, he's going to use you to be a blessing to, to the community around you. Yeah, that's a great encouragement. Thanks for sharing that. So, well, you also mentioned, um, uh, I was reading a little bit about you know, sort of your call on your life uh, that uh, COVID sort of also opened your heart to see more, I think the right word would be discipleship, I suppose. Uh, uh, tell me a little bit about how how that has come into your heart. What, what does that mean to you? Yeah, well, what happened was um, we were going through the Christmas holidays last year and trying to recover from COVID and do the normal Christmas things that you would do at church. And we, we do different outreach events and stuff. And my wife and I, toward the end of the holidays, were exhausted. And we realized that we had been doing so much uh, to make the things of ministry happen. Um, and we had a tough conversation where I said, we have to realize that we have half the church that we had a year ago and we just haven't recovered those numbers. And so as a part of that conversation, we realized that, um, or, or we felt like the Holy spirit was leading us to invest in the people you have, but looking back at the people you lost or the people that haven't come back or the help you're not getting or, or the things you want to do, but you can't do because you don't have the money or the time or the, or the manpower to do it and just invest in the people you have. And so the Lord led us to re-examine how we're doing uh, our services and our, our ministries at the church. And we started um, actually a, another Wilkerson ministry, but Rich Wilkerson started Fire Institute. It was really popular, you know, back in the day with youth. And there was um, our church that we moved from did, had adapted Fire Institute for adults and had adapted as an intentional discipleship program. And we were trying to rack our brain. How can we invest and get people to grow? And the thing that we had seen work at our previous church was Fire Institute. And so we brought that on. And what it is, is just uh, it, that sounds real, you know, formal, but it's just it's an intentional discipleship plan where you just lead people through the Bible in a year and you you encourage them that to fast once a week, to pray for missionaries, give to missions, do service projects and evangelism projects. So we meet once a week on Sunday nights to do that. And so we started it in February. And the um, the goal was I bought in faith materials for 10 people. And two of them were going to be my wife and I. So maybe we'll get eight people to sign up and do this and commit to this. And so I bought materials for 10. And the first night we had 19 show up. Oh, cool. And awesome. people... And, and so we scrambled to get all the materials together for them. And we went through the first eight week session where you read Matthew through Acts. And uh, we read um, the book, Not a Fan by Kyle Eidelman. I highly recommend that if any pastors or anything are listening. Um, and then we also read the book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by uh, Pastor Jim Cimbala. And reading, just reading the book of the first four gospels in Acts, having some faith building books going along with it, encouraging people to pray and fast together. It changed the dynamic of our church in two months. Uh, our services changed. Uh, the, the dynamic of worship has changed and just been heightened. Everything's just been transformed. And that was just the first section. We're in the second section now where you read the rest of the New Testament. And we're actually getting ready to start reading Crossing the Switchblade as a group together uh, as well. And so um, 
it's it's been incredible. And this time we're in the second eight week session now. And we've got 25 people that are doing it, which is about half of our average attendance that are reading the Bible intentionally. And what we saw was, I remember the first two weeks you read the book of Matthew, I asked our our class, our group, I said, how many of you, this is the first time you've ever read an entire book of the Bible through? And these are people that have been in church their whole life, a lot of them. And probably 75% of the, the people in the group raised their hand and said, I've never read a whole book of the Bible. And it was just oh, wow, we're on to something here. And then it just began to grow and people uh, just fell in love with Jesus all over again, reading the Gospels, fell in love with the Holy Spirit, reading Acts and what God was doing. It's been transformational, just accountable, intentional Bible reading, praying together, fasting uh, has been transformational. I love that. I love when a pastor cares for his flock in such a way that it um, changes their life. Uh, Seth, I, I really admire you for taking a serious um, move into the discipleship because that's a uh, it's sorely lacking in many churches. It's a uh, you know Sunday morning enter- entertainment type thing, and people really don't change. They don't really grow. So uh, and you've seen that growth. You, you you're experiencing that firsthand. Then I'm glad you're advising other pastors. We have a number of pastors that listen to this podcast, and I'm glad you're advising them to get your people in the scripture, get them in a discipleship plan or or group, and then uh, yeah, read some of those great. Great books. I, I'm excited about you guys reading the Cross and Switchblade. Please tell, please tell your group when you're reading that that the real important part is when my father first went to New York City that there was a baby being born in Pennsylvania to my mother, and that was me. So make sure you highlight that. Okay, yeah, because that's really that's really why that book was successful. It, and yeah, that was that was that's where God really moved, and life was deeply changed by that. And <laughs> now I'm joking, but yes. <laughs> uh, so that that's gonna. And uh, now my other question for you then, Seth, is uh, what is the? A lot of pastors have sort of a primary focus, uh, a thing that God's really spoken to their heart to produce. And you've mentioned some outreach to your community. You mentioned discipleship. Uh, you mentioned sort of God moving in a way to sort of the weed and the tares. Uh, uh, is there any of those, or is there something else that you would say is your primary calling in ministry uh, that you're, that's dearest to your heart? Um, any, anything particular on, on those lines? In this season, my emphasis as a pastor has been, and, and this I think is was came from the Holy Spirit leading us in this season in a post-COVID coming out of COVID season is grow your people and I'll grow the church, you know, invest in discipling people and then watch that happen. And just like I said, with the way things have changed this year, people in this group, they're evangelizing and witnessing to people in their workplace where they never had before. And, and we have seen a, 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 a shift in the dynamic of our gatherings on Sunday mornings where people are engaged in worship more and pursuing God more. But I would say that, on a life mission kind of uh, spectrum and, and viewpoint for me, I grew up not realizing what it meant to have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit and be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And it is just a passion of mine to uh, recover, rebuild, and inspire people to to seek out the fullness of the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, but do it in a biblical way, in a, in a way that, like you referred to earlier, there is some craziness out there and wackiness and and things that aren't biblical, but maybe just emotional. But there, that doesn't negate the reality that God wants to do something in and through his people through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And so I'm really passionate about that because I, I want to see people experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I want to see people learn how to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and expect God to move. And And I, I, I long for the day where my church is, is uh, decorated with crutches and wheelchairs. Again, not a gimmick kind of thing, but uh, no, this really happened. And, and look at what God can do in people's lives. And, and, and that goes to not just physical healing issues, but addiction recovery and, and freedom from uh, and deliverance from uh, those life controlling issues as well. Uh, poverty issues that we see in our community and in rural Arkansas, poverty and drug addiction, they go hand in hand. They're, they're a huge part of what we face in ministry as well. And, and God has the answer to these things. We just have to step in and go where the Holy Spirit's already going. And follow him, and he's going to meet us there and empower us to to fight those battles. All right. Well, you're you're hitting right on the center of uh, the power of the gospel is is in you know receiving that baptism. There's a there's a wave of God's power and His glory that comes, and you see things that you probably wouldn't see otherwise. And um, that you know it's needed for breakthrough to see. When you're talking about poverty, those, those are usually things that have been maybe generational. Uh, deeply embedded in family and culture and community, and then the drug addiction with COVID. That you know, drugs, uh, you know, as you know, being on the board of Teen Challenge, uh, drugs have increased dramatically uh, during this COVID time. Uh, people are, you know, a lot of a lot of people on drugs because they don't really like themselves. They've had a lot of uh, personal battles and struggles, and so they get self self loathing, self hatred, and. And then in COVID comes and they have to be isolated more. Maybe they lose their job and they are in a place of, um, uh, you know, just not wanting to be with themselves. And so the drugs is an escape. And uh, so, so you need that power. You know, you shall receive power, Acts 2 tells us, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that's not to say, you know, churches that are Baptists or other uh, ilks that they're, they're not filled with power. Uh, but there is something of uh, the, the, the glory and the presence and the promise of the Holy Spirit touching our lives, our ministries, our families, uh, whether you're a pastor or whether you're a family member praying for your kids, uh, for your children, for a, a spouse, that, that uh, it's, I, I would encourage people to look into what the Holy Spirit can do. You know, again, it's kind of a, you know, I think that the thing that, and alluding back to what we talked about earlier in the podcast, just, you know, I, I get frustrated because, the foolish parts, the foolishness of, uh, and the selfishness of, you know, uh, kind, of, kind of, I would call it like the prosperity movement, which is pretty, pretty much a Pentecostal. Uh, there's not too many churches that are in the prosperity movement that aren't Pentecostal. There are a few. And so, you know, that, that people that might be open to the spirit of God moving in more, in different ways, oftentimes get closed off because they see, that's that's what they think of when, you know, they hear us talking right now. If 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 somebody's listening to us and they don't have this kind of background, they're thinking, oh, those are those guys that are into this or that. And you end up with the sort of the John MacArthur's who I I respect as a Bible teacher. Uh, I think he's one of the best Bible teachers I've ever heard. And yet, you know, because of the the the, the radical wing of this thing, you know, he he throws the baby out with the bathwater. And, and I think so many people do that, and it's 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 sad. I think the church in America that's in this this great declension that we find ourselves in, not only numerically and how many people go to church, but just the fervency of the church, the impact we have on culture, is constantly decrease, de, uh, decreasing while 
godlessness and uh, filth and things from the pit of hell are radically increasing. And so if ever there was a time in America where we needed the power of God, uh, I think it'd be now. So good, good for you to stand in that, man, and, and, and keep, keep pressing in for that for your church. Yeah, you know, I think um, I would encourage, because you mentioned there might be people that are listening that aren't part of a Pentecostal or charismatic background. And I would just say it's not a denominational thing. You know, it's just a, uh, we can talk about the the statements of faith and the, the politics and the denominationalism of all of it, but just go back and there's got to be more than a powerless Christianity when you read the scriptures, you know, and however that works out in your expression of whatever your, your, your denominational tradition is, that that's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just looking, there is a power. You can't read the New Testament and come away without thinking, oh, there ought to be some things happening, you know, in my life in response to putting my faith in Jesus. And so um, that's what I want to encourage people to go toward, you know, and, and not about a denomination or a group, but about what is the Holy Spirit doing. And in this culture that we're in, where we're in postmodernism and, and, uh, whatever they're calling the generation these days. I don't know, it's not Gen Z anymore. I don't think it's even something else, but it's it's very much an experiential culture. They're looking for experiences. They're they're looking for something that feels real, that that makes a difference. And so the academic arguments aren't gonna work, you know, but if you can lead someone into an experience with the real God and and have an encounter with the with the Holy Spirit, and you can open them up to that, then they're they're sold hook, line, and sinker. And working with with Teen Challenge uh, adolescent boys, when you can put them in an atmosphere where you expect God to move, and you expect the Holy Spirit to speak, and you expect the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I found they don't get freaked out by it. That used to that was the seeker sensitive. Thing, right was we've got to calm these things down because we're going to freak people out and they're not going to want to be here i found that the younger generations they're not freaked out by those things they're like oh tell me more about that what was that how did that happen you know and and it's not a hey let's run out the back door thing it's a curiosity about it and then you get an opportunity to speak into them and say well this is what the bible says this is what's happening based on the scripture that we believe in and let me point you to the one that this scripture is really all about you know Wow. Man, that's powerful. I love that. It's uh, impacting lives through through God's Spirit and through the Word, through discipleship, through community service, through evangelism. That's You, you, know, you mentioned you're reading uh, Jim Simbola's, or you had read Jim Simbola's book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. Uh, when I was a young pastor, my first pastorate was in Detroit, Michigan, in the inner city, and Jim was a fairly young pastor himself at the time. Uh, he came to visit us and I'll never forget, you know, because I was, you know, he saw on my, on my books, uh, in my, on the table, all these books about church growth and stuff. And he said, you know, Gary, you know what a, a healthy church is? And I said, I'm obviously searching for that. And he said, it's, you know, it's the God's presence and powers there. People are being saved. Saved people are being baptized. Baptized people are getting holy. Holy people are going out and preaching the gospel and doing what Jesus called them to do. It's like five five easy steps, you know, and uh, I'll never forget that, you know, it just impacted my ministry. And when I'm at my best, that's the core of my ministry, uh, you know, those, those those areas of my life. And, you know, that, that power encounter with God is incredible. I, I was reading uh, Exodus a couple of days ago, and Exodus 3, you know, Moses is kind of wandering in the wilderness, and he's kind of, apparently he's given up any kind of hope for seeing his, the people set free or being a deliverer. And then all of a sudden he has that experience with the burning bush. It's holy ground. 
And and to me, that's that's that that is it's when we come into a place of experiencing God on holy ground, not just intellectually, all that's involved in it, but when we come into that place where we encounter a holy God, fierce, powerful, loving, merciful, gracious, good, and you know we had to take off our shoes because everywhere we walk now is no longer adequate for us. Then the very next thing God does, you, you know, you would think it'd be okay. I'm glad you're holy now, you know, Moses. We we can have a good relationship, you and I now. Um, you know, I'm going to start speaking words into your life now. But the first thing God does is says, "Hey, I, I'm putting you on holy ground because I have something for you. I've heard the cry of my people, and uh, you know, go and speak to Pharaoh and deliver." And so it hit me, and I was sharing this with some friends. It hit me that almost all the time in Scripture where there's a holy ground encounter with God, the result of that is ascending forth to bring deliverance, to bring to set captives free. You know, Jesus. You know, the incarnation is a moment of holy ground. And you know he's raised up to set the captives free, to preach deliverance, to the, preach the good news to the poor. Isaiah six, he sees the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filling the temple. And then the very next thing, God says, you know, who, who can I send? You know, so I saw this connection between what you're talking about, the the encounter of, of God's presence and power through the Holy Spirit, and and but it's not just. It's what's so incredible about it, I think, and I'm sure you experience the same thing. It's it's incredible for us personally. It it changes our thought pattern, our emotions, our will, our desires, our ambitions. But then it it works through us to others. It it is you know P- Peter gets baptized in the Holy Spirit and he's preaching three thousand are saved. So it's a it's an outward thing. It's not you know, and I think maybe that's where it gets into some of the charismatic chaos is when it, it loses its outward purpose. And you know, so, so you're going for it and you're going for the internal and the external, aren't you? Yes. And, you know, something you said that from Pastor Simbola that uh, people are getting holy and then holy people are going out and reaching. That's another thing that I, I've seen is uh, I found myself preaching more. You can be delivered from sinful lifestyles and uh, a and bondage to sin. That doesn't necessarily mean um that you're going to be perfect, but we ought to see consistent victory over sin in our lives and be growing in that. And I, I've been taught, I've been in the Sunday school lessons and in the sermons where it's like, well, you're always going to struggle with sin a little bit. And that's why you need grace. But, but grace is power, you know, to those who whom believed he gave power to become sons of God. And so we're supposed to be empowered to live above some things. We're not just saved from hell. We're saved from sin itself. And, and that is part of it because then it ruins your witness if you don't have any freedom, but you're going out and telling people about Jesus. And so that's one thing I found myself uh, emphasizing a lot in my preaching and teaching is you can live above these sin issues in your life and don't believe the lie that you're going to have to always deal with these certain hindrances in your life the rest of your life. God can deliver you. God can set you free. And, you know, not a, not a holiness that's a burden, you know, the, the stuff that different traditions got involved in with the rules of list of rules of do's and don'ts and long denim skirts and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Not that, but a holiness that is freeing, that you're freed from the burdens that, that sin has put on you and you're free to go out and serve God and, and work in the power of the spirit. And so, um, yeah, that's another emphasis. And I, I love that you mentioned that, that that was something key to pastor Simblis is not just, forgiven but now you're becoming holy and because you're becoming holy you've got power to go out and witness yeah yeah that's good news good news well uh how could people you know you mentioned you have live stream uh tell us about your 
uh, can you give us your website address and how they can listen to your sermons or get in touch with you or find out more about your ministry? Our Church Believers Fellowship in Belleville, Arkansas. Uh, our website's www.bfchurch.tv, like television. Um, and then I'm on social media, the different avenues of social media, at Seth Drury, S-E-T-H-D-R-E-W-R-Y. We'd love to uh, have people just kind of tune in and listen in and, and watch us online and, and be a part of what God's doing in our church. Yeah, we would love that too. We'll put all that in what we call the show notes there. So if anybody's listening and wants to get in touch with Pastor Seth, you can uh, find those those things that he just mentioned um, written out for you there, make it a little bit easier for you and connect connect with him and his church. Uh, Pastor Seth, thank you so much for sharing your heart with us and your faithfulness to your congregation and to, those, uh, to the kids at the Adventure Ranch. Uh, it's a great ministry. Keep up the good work. And thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Pastor. It was an honor to be with you, and I appreciate the opportunity to just visit with you for a little bit and share with your audience. Yeah, I enjoyed getting to know you a little bit. We look forward to more. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting.